0: This is a New Ways to Dream podcast. We are John and Robin Voiles of Celebrate Libraries. The following is a portion of an interview recorded in late autumn 2016 with Brown County Library Executive Director Brian Simons. The interview took place at Central Library in downtown Green Bay, Wisconsin, a port city enjoying revitalized historic riverfront and harbor areas. Green Bay is the third largest city in Wisconsin and the third largest city on the western shore of Lake Michigan after Chicago and Milwaukee. French-Canadian explorers established a trading post here in 1634, and the city is home to the National Football League's Green Bay Packers. Brian Simons, thank you for speaking with us today about Brown County Library. Thank you. Um, I'd like to start off with some profile questions. How long have you been director of the library?
1: This library, I've been director about a year and a half. Uh, previous to that, uh, I was director for uh, about seven years in Verona, Wisconsin. Okay. And then prior to that, director at uh, the library in Delavan, Wisconsin, for about two years.
0: What would you say, what were some of the, um, the things that you learned in Verona that, that you might have brought to this new uh, position?
1: Oh, good question. Um biggest thing was uh, community involvement. Uh, the more that a library director is involved with the community, the the more anchored the library becomes in the community, uh, the more the library can um, really help solve some of the, the difficulties or problems that the community faces, um, whether that's directly or indirectly. Okay. Um, maybe the library... Can directly solve some of the things, um, you know. Perhaps there's uh, a piece with literacy uh, with children, or um, uh, for instance, here where we're, we've got our, our maker space kind of up and running, and that's solving a, a, a piece in the community that uh, for learning STEM. But sometimes indirectly, um, we may not be the ones to truly. Be the, the the acting agent, but we provide space or we provide um, the the resources needed for someone else to then help solve that that problem.
0: Good. Um What was it that made you? Uh, I think you told a story yesterday. You were in from you're from the Green Bay area originally. Yeah, born and raised. And uh, you. Did you mention that this, this actually was your library when you were maybe a teen or the something East,
1: younger? Yep, the East Branch was okay. was the library that I went to when I was younger. Okay. Um, in fact, I remember writing, a oh, was middle school, somewhere in middle school, I wrote a, a paper, it was handwritten papers we used to write back then, okay. uh, researching uh, heart conditions. Oh, okay. um, yeah, just really... Weird, weird memory of, of sitting in the in the that space, but yeah, the space hasn't changed much in 30 years. But we're working on that. <laughs>
0: all right, all right. Um, so you remember the um, you remember the experience about writing the paper? Could you track down um, your decision to be a library director as a younger person, or to want to be a librarian, or to work in a library? through an experience or experiences you may have had at that library or others
1: probably not actually um, my experience I don't think I, I really settled on working in a library until after well after college a couple of years after college to put it that way but I was it was it was bouncing around in my head the last couple of years of college, of undergrad. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who graduated a year before me started studying for the the GRE to get into grad school for library science, and, and I kind of was interested, but it's one of those careers where it's a public service career, you don't really know what they do. Um, you know what a policeman does, you know what a fireman does, um, you even know what the accountant at the, the county clerk's office sure. does. You don't really know what the librarians do. <laughs> um, so I, I asked my friend, I said, well, what, okay, what, what does that mean? Like, all I see is the surface level bit, and I know there's more to it than that. So he explained a little bit of what goes on, and, and even then he was like, to be honest, I don't really know, but I just like books. So I... to read. yeah. So he's like, I think this would be a good place for me. And uh, I started thinking more and more about it. I'm like, yeah, it wouldn't be so bad. And then I um, I graduated from undergrad, went to Chicago. Uh, I worked as um, uh, a headhunter for an IT company for a little while. And then I worked as a teacher at an at-risk high school uh, for three years. And I really liked that, um, but... the emotional side of the teaching that particular group, it just burns you out. And um, I I started thinking more and more about librarianship because it was all right, the one thing that is similar is that I'm teaching to some capacity as a reference librarian or, or teen services especially. And the one difference is they're choosing to come here. they're not being forced to go like to school. So I said, well, yeah, let's give that a try. And uh, so I went to school, and I loved it. And so I, I banged out the whole program in one year, <laughs> which I don't recommend. Uh, did very well, but I didn't have a life. Um, but then after that, I moved up back to Wisconsin and started my career in the library field in, uh, in Manitowoc as the teen services uh, librarian, so I split my time between that and reference desk. So I got a real good exposure of a lot of things. Yeah. What's
0: your... Uh, this is a large building. What's your square footage? Yeah.
1: This building is about a little over 90,000 square feet. Right. Yeah, and that includes everything from garages to, you know, storage nooks, but it is enormous. The new auditorium. The, the new auditorium is wonderful. Uh, we... It's original to the building from 1974, uh, but it was still original as of six months ago. Uh, so we had a lot of issues with simple things that became more than simple. So the carpeting, while old, it was buckling. Okay. Um, so not only did it look unsightly, it was dangerous for especially the elderly that use uh, the, the um, auditorium quite frequently. Right. And, uh, and then the design, you know, was seven, from the 1970s. So, uh, yeah, we completely gutted it, and it's phenomenal. The, the things that, that the community can do in there now that they couldn't before for, because of the upgrades sure. is just, it's wonderful.
0: Showing films there, theater groups
1: Films. Uh, there's also two local theater groups already and a third that's looking at it. Um, that are they're going to be using it for their performances, and they use it for their practice too. Um, we've we have uh, a hearing loop, so the uh, men's what is it? What are they called? The Green Bay area retired men's group um, uses uh, the facility every Tuesday. So they were in this morning. They had about 180 here today, and love it. And the hearing loop is one of the things they love the most. Um, Other things that we can do as the library, we're doing a a Comic-Con next week. So the costume portion of it, where... What is that? So Comic-Con is um, basically for fans of of comics. Um, There's a a lot of different activities that go on, from meeting comic artists to comic comic book writers to... um, Then also doing, uh, like, dressing up as your favorite comic book character. Um, Yeah, so for the comic book character dress-up piece, uh, we are taking the new, so we had a new stage that we can orient any way we want, and part of the orientation can be a catwalk. So we're building Uh, a catwalk for the Comic-Con fashion show, so to speak.
0: (laughs) Fashion portion of the Comic-Con.
1: It's going to be really fun.
0: Great. That sounds really wonderful. Really, really wonderful. Um, One other
1: thing that I wanted to um, uh, kind of put out there for the um, auditorium is that yes. businesses can use it, and they have. Right. Um, with our new laser projector, it's such a crystal clear production. They can do any presentation they want to their staff, and it's, it, you, know, you don't have to have your own conference room. The library has it for you. Um, it, it really works to everyone's advantage.
0: So one more opportunity to outreach to the uh, community and bring the community within the uh, library itself. Yep. Great. So there are eight branches?
1: There are, um, yes, eight branches, um, with, and then a, a, the central facility as well makes nine, and then the bookmobile.
0: What's the relationship to the branches? What, how, do, how do they uh, connect?
1: Sure. So um, we're all. So what we like to say uh, here now that I've come on is we're one library with nine locations. Okay. Um, so it's it's really we see it as one big library with exactly that nine separate locations, and each location has a little bit of something unique, um, potentially. So, um, so for instance, the Central Library has the, the theater and the local history, um, and it's also the, the large hub. So if there's a reference question at a branch that they don't know the answer to, they forward it on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so other branches. So for instance, the, um, the uh, uh, Southwest branch, we consider our neighborhood branch because it truly is in a neighborhood. It's one of the few we have that really feels like it's it's walkable no matter where you live in that area because it is. It's a very uh, pedestrian street, just kind of right in the middle of a neighborhood, not really on a busy street. Is so
0: that Southwest Green Bay? Or yes, sort of
1: correct, area? Southwest Green Bay. Um, and then we have um, uh, our Eshwabanon uh, branch uh, which really is similar to Southwest in that it's it's very neighborhoody. Um, it, the the advantage there is it serves a very unique uh, patron base because it's Ashwabanan is a is a, a aging community, um, so the residents there are more retirement age. <coughs> However, the Ashwabanon School District the Majority of their students are bused in from elsewhere for school choice. So we have a lot of kids after school, which were right near both the middle and the high school and, uh, I believe, a um, parochial uh, school. So after school, we just get flooded with all these kids, which is great. Um, So we've got this really interesting dynamic there of uh, this elderly group and the teens um, coming in and and sometimes mixing and um, it's it, it's really an interesting um, mix sometimes it works well and sometimes it doesn't work so well uh, but but our library staff there deals with it very very well and and what we really like about that particular situation is with those kids coming in after school you know I've always said you know however much trouble you can get into in the library is nothing in comparison to what you can get into outside of the library. So having been a teacher at an at-risk high school, it gives me that perspective to say, okay, I know they're being loud and I know this is causing a little bit of problem, but let's deal with them in a respectful way and still welcome them here and just treat them treat their behavior, not the person um, because I know if they're not here, there's more likelihood they're going to get into worse trouble out, outside of the library.
0: Kind of a safe place.
1: Or yep, exactly, okay, exactly. So we do get, you know, from Ashwaubenon, we do get a call from time to time from some of the, uh, the, patron, the elderly patrons there that call, call me, call the director to complain about those loud kids. And that's what I point out to them, though, uh, is, well, would you rather them in the library being noisy or would you rather them not in the library doing something else in the community? And they kind of think a little bit and they're like, well, that could be my house they vandalize or my house they're monkeying around near or, or, you know. So they go, well, I see what you're saying, but, you know, I wish they'd just be quiet. And I'm like, well, we'll work on that. <laughs> so it, it, there is, I think, a level of understanding. And a lot of it is, for me, it's just listening and hearing both sides out and trying to work as best we can to, to really um, make the library work for everyone.
0: I would think that's the best that you can do. Yes. Yeah. That's the goal.
1: Yes, definitely. The goal. We're the entire public's library, not just a portion of the public's library.
0: So where do you... We talked about programming. Where do your programming ideas come from? Uh, Wisconsin Library Association? Mm-hmm. Other libraries?
1: I would say uh, the majority of our programming ideas come from our staff internally. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably get their ideas... Um, here and there from, you know, things they read, uh, or, or, um, maybe a conference that, that they go to. But I would say most of our ideas do come from our staff. So for instance, um, and, and when I got here, I, I, I said, you know, I don't care what position you're in. You all have good ideas and, you know, I want to hear them and I'll take each one very seriously Um, we may not be able to execute every one of them. And and I don't think that's because any idea is a bad idea. I think all ideas are good. It's just is it the right timing and do we have enough funding are really the kind of the keys there. Maybe your idea is good, but it's ahead of its time or it's a little too far behind its time. Um, But there's going to be some that are going to be right in the sweet spot that we definitely want to do. So is there
0: an example that Yeah,
1: so so to um, to exemplify that, it, which was perfect because it really drove home to everybody that oh yeah, Brian's not joking. He really does, does want to hear from everyone. So our facilities manager, uh we, we had uh and that, that year we had an internal um, grant that we had for, for staff that was uh, an innovation grant. So any innovative idea we want to hear about it and whichever ones are good we're gonna fund so our facilities manager uh said well i think we should do these arduino things i said i don't know anything about it but write it up in the grant so he coerced uh two librarians (laughs) to write for him (laughs) he's like i don't want to do that part um and uh so they they had got together and he taught them how to use these things so um Long story short, they submitted it, and we said, oh, my God, this is perfect. Yeah, let's do it. So Arduinos are these uh, little microcomputers about the size of a credit card. Okay. They're, they're like if you've heard of Raspberry Pi. They're very similar. And uh, they're all open source, and they're very, very cheap. So to build a little kit, yes. it costs us $35 or less, and we get the Arduino and mm-hmm. what's called a breadboard, which is the, the connecting wire uh, board and a few like lights and transistors and other things, and so we got these and they designed that group designed a, a program around the arduinos to teach kids, but particularly kids to um, to to code to computer code.
0: Wow, great!
1: Yeah, and what's neat about it is so when we when we had the idea when they had the idea and we said okay cool let's do it. I said, all right, we're going to do this. Let's go find out a little more about what is needed in the community. So, as we do the training with these kids, we know kind of what direction to take. So, we went and talked to a bunch of the the businesses in the area that have some kind of IT connection. And it was really neat because they said, they were saying, uh, they said, wait a minute, you're you're teaching them how to code? Oh my God, not only is this great, it's the way you're doing it. Because we can get technicians that know how to code for coding's sake, but we have a hard time finding that person that can take computer science of coding and engineering and put it together because that's really what Arduino does is you code to tell this little computer to tell other pieces to do something in the physical world. So what we do is we teach kids how to turn on a light so we have these little LED lights that they, you know, they wire up and then they, they type the code in and it turns on the light. And as, as soon as they do it, you see the metaphorical light go off above their head. And, and then we teach them how to turn the light off and how to make it blink. And then we wire in a, a little button and then we break the code on purpose. So they really drives home that this isn't magic. You're controlling this. So we make them find the, the break in the code. Yes and they fix it, and everything works again.
0: This is STEM, also, isn't
1: it? Yes, yeah. So it, it falls in line with the, the STEM, the science, technology, engineering, math. And uh, what's really neat about it is, so we do that class as our beginning class, and it was kids that we were targeting at first, and we still are, but the parents that were coming, were kind of looking over the kid's shoulder like, well, what's going on here? I really, well, I want to, I want to do this. This looks really fun. So we started doing classes for adults, and they filled up like that. And and then what that led to is okay. Well, let's do an advanced class. Um, so we're calling it Arduino Club. So kids and adults, anyone, it's like a mixed uh, generational mixed. thing. Okay. Yep, can come and either uh, bring your own, which we haven't had anybody do yet, but we like that's on the horizon, um, or what we do is we have a lot bigger project that they work on together. So for instance, one of the projects was a secret knock door unlocker, um, and we find all most of this stuff on YouTube, and then uh, because it's open source, it's really easy to find the code. And uh, so literally, we built the, the chassis of this thing, and then they wire it up to the the Arduino, and then they type, they you know, figure the code out, and sure enough, you can record a secret knock. And then when you knock on the door, it unlocks the door for you. It is hilarious. We did another one with uh, solenoids, and with the solenoid screws going in and out, it played the Super Mario Brothers theme song. Uh, so, just real, you know, fun, somewhat useless uh, projects, but at the same time, they're imaginative. You're learning yeah. And uh, it's very, very uh, powerful because the kids are thinking in ways they wouldn't have thought otherwise.
0: It's a really good story. Thank you. Brian, thank you for your time. This has been John and Robin Voyles of Celebrate Libraries. We've been speaking today with Brown County Library Executive Director Brian Simons. This podcast is a New Ways to Dream production.